Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Cassie Alexander is the founder of Zendros Unlimited, a safety consulting firm that provides custom experiential trainings for educators and businesses. Cassie has a master's degree in chemistry and has 11 years of safety experience, having worked toward cultivating safer environments throughout her career. And interestingly, on the side, Cassie is an aerial circus performer. I'm so fascinated by this, Cassie. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much, Emily. I'm really happy to be here um, and excited to talk with you about all the intricacies there. (laughs) Me too, me too. Well, we met at the ASSP conference a few months ago. That's the American Society of Safety Professionals. And then we, we met in person and then we connected after the show and we chatted more on Zoom. And I am instantly fascinated by you because not only are you a safety expert, but you're an aerial surface performer. And we can talk more about, about that later in the show, but I, I'm really interested to see like the connections between those two things and how they relate. Um, but let's learn more about your background. You actually have a degree in chemistry. Can you tell us about your career? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I started, I started, uh, schooling in chemistry. I uh, graduated with my bachelor's and um, concurrently worked on my master's degree. And so, um, you know, it was fun. (laughs) That was, that was the point though, where I realized that um, I wasn't cut out to be a behind the bench chemist. I had a bigger mission and, you know, wanted to impact the world in a broader way. And so um, towards the end of my, my schooling, I, dealt with some misconduct and kind of went through the whole process of um, handling that and just, you know, growing through that. And that really gave me the opportunity to realize like, oh man, okay, uh, there's another path out here for me. And so my entrepreneurial brain started moving um, way back then, about 10 years ago now. And it wasn't time. <laughs> it was one of those journeys that that took a little while to to really come into fruition. So I I started my career in a pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, really basic kind of uh, machine loading, processing samples, and kind of just the minutia of um, being a uh, I guess low level, uh, low level scientists in the pharmaceutical industry, and mm-hmm. um, so that, yeah, that was that was kind of an interesting experience, and I learned a bunch through that. Um, and then I fast forwarded to uh, moving into a role where I was the uh, manufacturing chemist for a pest control company, and. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting, huge scale compared to what I had done in um, in schooling. And so there were a lot of things that came with that as far as my learnings. Um, that role ended up developing into a safety coordinator um, or, you know, director sort of role, um, uh-huh. among other things. And 
uh, you know, it, it really was sort of the through line for, you know, safety kind of following me all along the way and in various yeah. ways that I didn't necessarily understand at the time. But looking back, it's like, oh, man, that all makes so much sense. <laughs> I know it's, it's it's great to look back on your career and sort of put the pieces together and figure out how you got where you are. And then when you do that, it makes complete sense. And it's like a puzzle that's been formed in retrospect. But tell so when you were at the level of still university, getting your master's and you were working in chemistry, did you you mentioned briefly that you had some kind of experience that led you to be starting to think about maybe being an entrepreneur or the safety industry. Can you talk about um, what the experience was and what, how you got in, interested in safety based on that? Yeah, absolutely. And actually that, so that was before my safety, my safety brain even had turned on, right? So I didn't know that it was safety that I was thinking about. I was thinking uh -huh. about things from a, from a different sort of way. But again, like you said, looking backwards and seeing the puzzle that got put together, I can definitely see the through line for me, like why safety has become, you know, the cornerstone that it is. So in college, I was in my <clears throat> excuse me, my uh, last couple of semesters. So it was my last two semesters of my uh, both undergrad and my master's. They were supposed to end at the same time with one another. And um, I had experienced a number of different, um, uh, how best to characterize this, professors being inappropriate across my career. Um, uh -huh. Being a chemist and a woman in chemistry was, um, and, and still is to a large degree, um, you were in a different kind of level field, leveling of the field, right? There uh -huh. are a whole lot more men in the field than there are women, um, especially in the um, kind of instructor, instructor level, you know, sort of experiences. And so, um, that, you know, sort of came up and I recognized what was going on and um, kind of just got to a point where I was fed up with the with the culture and the way that things were um, functioning. And I decided that I didn't want anybody else to have to deal with it. And the naive and really sweet and wonderful version of me back then um, believed the way that all of the systems that were set out and like put in place believe that they were going to work the way that they say that they are designed to work, which um, in this case is a uh, industry and university specific organization called Title IX that does the whole um, misconduct handling process. And so essentially I went through that whole process and watched how hard and, and really detrimental it was not only for me, but likely for others that had been through it. And I okay. saw, you know, a space where trauma that had already happened to people was you know, sort of doubled down on during the process of trying to, you know, clean up the situation. And so, um, that, that did, it, it led to a whole different way of thinking about the world than I had ever, um, ever explored before. Hmm. Um, and so you made the decision at that point that, you know, you maybe were going to expand your career out of this realm. Is that kind of where that sort of, yeah. and, but, but you, but you went to work for a company because obviously you're graduating, you need a job, you have to start working. Um, you went to work for a pharmaceutical company for a while. And that was, um, you, you called yourself a low level scientist. How was that experience? 
Yeah, um, that's a great, great, great way to to pull that back in. It it was um, kind of demoralizing, honestly. Um, you know, I had studied super hard and really found this intriguing way of thinking about the world through chemistry. And I got my first, you know, official big girl job or whatever. And I expected to, you know, still be challenged and still to be learning and growing. And I did not realize quite what um, the workplace really was going to feel like and, you know, what that stagnation would really start to feel like from a scientific perspective when the protocols and the, the process was always already completely defined and completely laid out. And so it was it was a little bit sad. It was like, oh, my gosh, I studied this hard and I, I understand all of these concepts to print out a report and sign my initials at the bottom really <laughs> so it was it was that was difficult you know it was it was really a wake-up call for me and do you think I mean was part of that just the because you were starting out paying your dues at that level or was it just the culture was not a healthy culture you know in in this situation it really was a, a pay your dues kind of situation unfortunately um it wasn't like a pay your dues and you'll move into this really cool interesting thing it was <laughs> We got a whole bunch of people that are going to pay their dues and you'll probably find a different company and maybe find something interesting to do later. Uh, um, but but it was very much a uh, position that was aimed at the early graduating students. It really was designed um, to be exactly what it felt like to me. You know, uh -huh. I, that, that just was what it was. And then, so you did leave and you did go to another position and at your new job, you mentioned it was a pest control company, right? <laughs> yep. And it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like that job was better. You you were enjoying it more and you, you even got into this. That's how you first got into the safety industry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, so it was a startup company. So there was a lot of, um, a lot of ambiguity, but also a lot of space. So the pharmaceutical company was international and had been around for Gosh, I don't even remember how long, but a long time, especially in comparison to the less than 10 years old that the startup was when I joined. And um, so that that gave me a lot of ability to start to put, you know, SOPs in place and sort of get things systemized and, you know, sort of headed in the direction of what I had seen in the pharmaceutical world. Hmm. Um but yeah, it was it was one of those situations where it was more interesting and more exciting because it did feel like I was. Um, I was a scientist again. I mean, it was not complex science. It was, you know, pretty, pretty simplistic and all working with like really natural, naturally occurring chemicals. And so um, it felt a lot safer and it felt like a, a better shift for me in the long run. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely a different shift. And it did start to allow me to see safety as more of my personal responsibility, as opposed to the company is going to provide these trainings, this whatever. And so, uh, yeah, it gave me an opportunity to take ownership in a new kind of way. So when I think about chemistry and science and think about safety, I mean, it's what you said about the chemicals being dangerous or um, naturally occurring. I mean, I think even naturally, you're the chemist here, but I think even naturally occurring chemicals can be very dangerous. So is that what really triggered the whole safety um, passion for you? Is that you were working with these chemicals and you realized that, I mean, it really came from the whole chemistry background of safety? I love, I love this question. Um, 
and nobody's ever asked it quite like that. And I, I really <laughs> appreciate that. So, um, gosh, yes, yes and no. So I was never afraid of the chemicals all uh -huh. through college. All, I mean, I use stuff that would explode if I exposed it to air, um, you know, stuff that was, that was incredibly hazardous and I was never afraid of it. I was never worried about it. I, you know, really didn't think much extra about it. And uh -huh. It wasn't until I was injured a couple of times and started to learn about um, OSHA and about workers' comp and about some of those complexities uh -huh. that I got more interested and engaged in safety. Um, it really came down to I had a an incident happen where I was exposed to a, a big spill and it was an essential oil. So it wasn't anything, you know, particularly caustic, but it was very strong and there was a lot of it and mm -hmm. it ended up irritating my lungs. And so I went down the rabbit hole of figuring out what to do and how to go about setting up a respirator program. And through that, I got OSHA 30 hour certified and mm learned a whole lot more than just about, about yeah. respirators um, and ultimately decided that, you know, okay, maybe respirators aren't the right choice, you know, with all the, the extra hoops that, you know, the safety folks in the audience will, uh, will know the, the extra complexities that come with that. And for a startup that, you know, had one safety policy to start off with, that was going to be a huge stretch. And so Instead of starting that program, I found other ways to start leveraging the OSHA knowledge that I had gained. And, you know, it really came down to the fact that I cared about the people that I was working with and I wanted to share the information that I had learned so that they were better equipped for the situations that they might come upon. Mm -hmm. And so, and you really were developing, it seems like a burgeoning passion for the whole safety industry and just the whole concept of safety. I mean, how it affects the people around you and the people you're working with. Um, and then you, but you already had had these thoughts of entrepreneurship. So how did that all come together for you and make you decide to start your own safety consulting firm? No, that's a great, uh, really, really great point as well and, and way to bring it again together. It, it is one of those aspects of existing that um, only makes sense in, in the hindsight, right? Um, yeah. So I took over that safety role and really started, um, really started growing the program. I spent uh, about a year and a half in the position, um, and it was a startup, so I wore a bunch of different hats. That was just one, um, one aspect of what I was doing. It was also a really important aspect to me, and between quality and safety, those are sort of my two like top of mind. Um, issues that I that I went into work every day thinking about and safety in particular as it related to the the production workers that I was working with on a regular basis and, and thinking about and so um, I had been pushing for some changes and some additional policies as you do as a safety professional in a workplace and um, I had continually run into um, just a, a mindset of of being closed off to any possibility or any new idea related to how to go about safety, how to think about things, what we could add to improve what we were doing. Um, and, you know, I was in a meeting one day and it was one of those things where it, where it kind of hit, hit a point for me or I was just like, this is not aligned with who I am. 
Like I am, I am hiding half of, or, you know, not saying a bunch of the things that really matter to me and that I really believe in because I know how it's going to be received. And I know that I won't be able to, to really have my voice. And so once that realization set in, I had already, you know, headed in the direction of the pros and cons list of how to, um, how to go about, you know, having the conversations that needed to be had. Um, Uh And gosh, apologies, (laughs) notification threw me off. Um, But the the big point that I that I ran into was recognizing that I really wanted to um, have a different kind of impact and I wanted to get it to show up more fully. And so I decided to leave the position and spent a couple of months soul searching and uh, ran across by accident psychological safety. Um, it was sort of a a term that I had pulled together through evaluating and thinking about my experiences. And then I started doing research. I was like, oh, this is a whole field. There's a whole, you know, (laughs) science behind the conversation as relates to this. And it blew my mind. And I recognized that, you know, the safety failures that I'd seen across my career, the challenges that I had run into, um, all the way back to college really came down to psychological safety in the work environment. And it, it became my mission. It became, how do I find a way to empower as many people as possible with this information so that mm-hmm. we can create environments that support people and get the job done? So not, so that's why you created your company, Zendros Unlimited. And your mission then is really all about psychological safety or is it about you know also physical safety is it sort of both yes very much it is a combination of thinking about safety both from a psychological and a physical perspective but what I've learned over the last year of being in business is that I'm not really a safety company Um, as much as I my foundation is in safety and the way that I think about things is in safety. The way my customers think about things is in relationships. And Mm -hmm. what they're thinking about is how their teams are performing. Um, how, how much or how little do they, um, spend on retention and, you know, what can they do to improve those kinds of things? And so, when I when I function in my business, I bring psychological safety and this idea of being responsible for your own um, your own way of showing up in whatever space and whatever re, whatever way. And this uh-huh. relates to physical safety that you know you're personally responsible for the choices that you make. And so it it very much bridges the gap, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, on the nose go, this is what, you know, we're going to talk about this kind of hazard today or whatever. It's mm-hmm. much more of a subliminal approach to talking about, you know, both the physical and the psychological safety side. Well, one thing you mentioned to me earlier, well, another time we talked, or maybe it was in the show notes about how you want to help individuals and companies avoid the same mistakes that you have seen companies make. So can you talk about what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So at the pharmaceutical company, we had a really awesome training program. 
it was online, it was digital, it delivered in very timely manners and gave you like deadlines. And so from a um, <laughs> record keeping perspective, it was a top notch safety program. Um, they covered all of the different things. They really made a point to um, like make the the whole process effective and understandable for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. But the the teams and the the managers and the you know different people that were involved on all at all of the different levels were not actively involved in the safety program. Um, they weren't asking questions. They weren't checking on things. They weren't opening an environment where um, employees felt like they could approach the questions and you know deal with whatever was coming up and so that was one of the first spaces that i saw um failure around it was you know they had done all of this legwork and spent all this money to have these big programs um but the boots on the ground weren't actually you know living by the programs okay. and involving the the teams the way that um a really effective safety program in my opinion should so what I'm hearing from you is, yes, it's important to have all these things set, these safety programs set up so that people can learn about the, in, the intricacies and the details and the rules and regulations, but it's really about the culture of the organization and how they're maintaining that. So how are you, how's your company assisting companies in getting that culture um, to, be, to be a healthy one for safety? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, we spend time getting to kind of the root of what's going on, uh, within a team and within the culture as it currently exists. So that's, that's where we start, um, getting a good understanding. And then, uh, we really work with the leaders to make sure that they're aligned with, um, you know, all of the levels of culture development and, that they're bought in to the concepts of, you know, safety, of taking care of people, of, you know, this um, more of a growth focused organizational structure, as opposed to a more outdated um, uh -huh. version where you just expect people to show up and put everything else in a box. Um, yeah. And so, it very much is a process of helping the company understand where they're at. And then um, we'll do team building activities where we actually take the entire team and um, do experiential training activities where um, where sometimes Ariel's gets involved or um, like a rage room style experience with a team. And so my goal is to get people to feel somewhat physically unsafe um to help them recognize how much power they have over their safety so helping them recognize inside of their body and get really centered inside of their body to then be able to talk about that personal responsibility level and and that's ultimately the goal of what Zendros Unlimited is here to do is to help people take personal responsibility for how they're showing up um and again oh, wait, so, yeah you're, you're scaring people so you're getting people together you're scaring them <laughs> You're getting a visceral reaction and then you're kind of like working from there. Can you give us an example? Of, you, you kind of mentioned aerials. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, that's a wide possibility of what yeah. you might be doing there. So can you explain, like, um, maybe give us some examples of what you've done? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll take a uh, aerial hammock. So 
um, think ribbons from the ceiling, but with a little loop at the bottom that you can that you can lay in as opposed to two separate ribbons that that don't tie together. Um, and you know, it's it's a really simple process of getting somebody to invert. So go upside down. Um, it it's like a a 20 second experience, you know, all told, right? And but you would be surprised at how uncomfortable it makes us to do that for the first time. Like yeah. going upside down and trusting this piece of fabric and a, you know, piece of metal in the ceiling, like that's a lot. And so it, it's an opportunity for people to really settle in and get, you know, get physically present. Um, so that that's one of the exercises. Sometimes I'll have them stand. Um, so actually stand up into the apparatus and experience what it feels like. And again, um, you know, defying gravity in this way feels different. It's different uh -huh. to be suspended versus, you know, on the ground doing different activities. And so um, those are just a couple of examples of how I'll, I'll incorporate the aerial aspect of things to to get people really present. And yes, I scare them, um, <laughs> but within within the framework of yeah. you're in control, right? So if you're scared when you lean your feet off the ground and you and you start to lay back, all you have to do is put your feet back on the ground, right? Okay. And and helping them understand that that lever, right? Of I'm unsafe, I'm safe, I'm unsafe, I'm safe. And starting to explore what the boundaries of that look like so that when you're in or when they are in those unsafe environments, they're able to recognize that um, more, more quickly and you know, make the decisions that best suit um, what, what works for them. You're really existing at this intersection between science, which is your background, safety, and this aerial performance, because I, you know, I, I want to talk about that a little bit because it is also a part of what you do. I mean, it's part of your safety firm, which we just learned, but it's also one of one of your passions is aerial performing. So, you know, I, I interview a lot of women in hazardous industries, so it's not uncommon that there's danger involved. I mean, I interview race car drivers, I've interviewed firefighters, and you know, women in mines. Um, and I'm always fascinated by the relationship between danger um, and, you know, safety and their passion for the job. And I'm just, I'm, I'm curious about your relationship personally with that danger that you're choosing to participate in with the aerials. Yeah. Oh, man. It all comes back to calculated risk. It, mm -hmm. you know, it, it truly is one of those situations that the better I've gotten at understanding what is okay and isn't okay for me, the more willing I am to explore the boundaries of safety. And so, you know, physical safety was one of the first things that I started exploring the boundaries of. And that was back in 2019 when I started my aerial journey. Um, and, you know, I really feel like life is way more fun lived through the lens of preparedness and that awareness, um, but not fear, right? Like opening, mm -hmm. opening ourselves up to exploring and trying new things. And, you know, like things do happen, you know, injuries happen, issues, issues come up. Um, but being aware of the possibilities and then knowing what to do when and if something happens sets you up to eliminate the um, 
the the biggest aspects of the risk. And so for me, that makes it worth it. And there's something about living on the edge when it comes to mm-hmm. my sport that helps me um, to sh- to show up more completely in other ways. I think that's so wise. I love that, you know, your perspective that it's really not just about the risk, but it's about opening yourself up to new experiences and being able to live life to the fullest. But you're not doing it in a way that um, you know most active accidents are happening due to unpreparedness, right? And you know, I hate to say it, but you know, risk taking stup- in a bad way, like stupidity, maybe. I haven't even gone as far as to say. So you're doing it in an intelligent way, in a, in a calculated way, in a prepared way, and it opens up the world. And I think that's there's a lot of um, that. I feel like that's an inspiring thing for a lot of people. Um, Okay, we just want to hear a little bit about what you do. Can you just describe the performance uh, <laughs> aspects of it? What what exactly are you doing? I you described the cloth that hangs from the ceiling. Yeah. Oh man. So the cloth. Yeah. The the aerial hammock is my favorite, and so um, you know the performance aspect of it is um, it can be as little or as giant as you can think of. So you can think of Cirque du Soleil. Or you can think of like your um, niece, nephew, daughter, whatever's um, dance recital, right? <laughs> so there's a there's a spectrum of of intensity of what aerial performance looks like. Um, and so for me, I I have performed in showcases at my aerial studio. So more on that like you know child per recital sort of level. Um, <laughs> But it allows for my creativity to be expressed, um, you know, pressing the edges of the boundaries. Again, that like risk taking, there's a lot of risk when you get in front of an audience of people, yeah. you know, yeah. this is again, a psychological, you know, psychological safety space, um, as opposed to the physical safety aspect that's also happening. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it, it encourages me to challenge myself in new ways and, um, to express myself in ways that I have never been able to before. And so it it really is as simple as um, playing a song and exploring different um, poses and movements with the fabric and then, you know, hoping that it dazzles the audience enough to get them to cheer along the way. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. Well, where can our listeners find you? I, I want them to be able to find you both for maybe catching a performance, finding you on, I don't know, LinkedIn, and also um, talking with your amazing company about some of the possibilities. Of, I know that you are local in the Texas area. Do you also do online trainings? I do. Yeah. And and I'll travel for the half days also. I've got a network of partners, so I'm able to to facilitate in a lot of different spaces, which is which is really fun. That's great. So where can everyone find you? Yeah. Um, so I'm online, uh, zendrosunlimited.com. Um, I'm also under uh, Cassie Alexander on all of the social um, social platforms. Um, I think I may have shared my link tree, so hopefully it'll end up in the, the show notes. That's a great place to keep track of um, any of the assorted things that I'm doing, um, like the uh, the OSHA, the OSHA workshop I'm doing at the end of the month to help uh, entrepreneurs. So things like that can be found um, in, in that uh, array of spaces. Okay, tell us about this OSHA workshop. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a there's an organization in Austin that uh, helps small business owners um, with educational series and a number of other uh, supportive endeavors. And so um, I've joined on to help teach about the basics of what a um, entrepreneur needs to be thinking about as it relates to uh, safety uh, policies and you know just kind of the framework for getting mm-hmm. their business started. The, mm-hmm. the secret that isn't in the the copy for the the situation is that I'm also layering psychological safety into the conversation and really yeah. helping um, small business owners to understand their um, their power and their role in shaping what safety looks like in their company long term. And you, psychological safety as a Field. Is it, do you feel like it's something that's going to be growing and growing? I feel like I'm hearing about it so much more recently. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I think it is the, the balm or the salve that we need after the mm-hmm. great resignation. Um, mm-hmm. The, the theme that I saw across the stories that I read during that time period and my own life um, was all about leadership, not showing up for people the way that they needed to be shown up for. And yeah. It very much, I think, is a um, symptom of that outdated culture and the outdated model of how we um, take care of our human human capital within a company. Cassie Alexander, founder of safety consulting firm Zendros Unlimited, scientist and aerial circus performer. Love that combo. <laughs> Thank you so much <laughs> for joining us on the Hazard Girls podcast today. I'm so glad we got a chance to meet at, at in person at ASSP. I hope to see you again soon. Yeah. Thanks so much, Emily. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.